Welcome to the first episode of my sex and marriage mini series. I am so excited, you guys, because I wanted to do this since I started the podcast. Jesse and I received so many questions about sexuality within marriage since we've had the conversations beforehand about Song of Solomon and all of those, but I could not have asked for a better guest for the first episode. So today's guest is Dr. Julie Slattery. She is a clinical psychologist, author, and co co-founder of Authentic Intimacy. So Authentic Intimacy is a ministry dedicated to reclaiming God's design for sexuality. And today we are talking all about the topic of not liking sex, not wanting sex, not enjoying sex, and how to overcome the obstacles that create that stigma against sex so that you can better strengthen and grow your marriage. I am a huge advocate for having conversations about sexuality within your marriage, doing research, studying, listening to resources. And so I trust and believe that this episode is really going to help you. We talk about overcoming lies and what lies women believe. We discuss body image and insecurity, control, lack of emotional safety, not having an orgasm or not being able to orgasm at all, painful sex, and all of the things. So don't miss out. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to share it with friends and family, wives who may need some encouragement in this area. I feel like it is a common issue among people and it's just not discussed. And so that's what living easy is all about. We challenge the status quo and we dig into things with a biblical perspective that are a little bit uncomfortable to talk about, but can bring great healing to marriages. And I challenge you as you listen to this episode, as I always do, that nothing changes if nothing changes. So listen to what Dr. Julie has to say and then step away and implement it into your own marriage. What a great way to start 2021 is to enjoy sex and have it often with your spouse. But there does have to be healing to get there. And that's what I hope for today. Let's jump into today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast.
Hey everyone, welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today I am here with clinical psychologist, Julie Slattery, and we're going to be talking about sexuality, enjoying sex, not enjoying sex, not wanting sex in your marriage, and how it affects you. So thank you so much, Julie, for coming on. And this is a topic that not everyone talks about. So thank you so much for discussing it. How did you get into this? Yeah, kind of kicking and screaming, honestly, Lindsay, it's just, a, like you said, a topic that we're very shy about. And yeah. the first few times I spoke on it, I was like sweating bullets yeah. and nervous. <laughs> and God just kind of made it clear over the years that this is what he's called me to. And so my job right now is to speak on and podcast on and write on sexual issues. So it's really just a joy to see the freedom that comes just by speaking the truth and talking about issues that women are carrying on their hearts. So... Just to dive in a little bit with everything, when I speak with women, they tend to bring about this topic, about the topic of sex as a whole. Questions I receive are, why don't I like sex or why don't I want it as much as my husband? And there are times when this is shifted, when the husband's libido is lower than the woman's. And I know some couples who that is a struggle, but most of the time, it tends to be that a woman is really struggling. And I was actually looking on Google just regarding this topic because I was curious. And some of the top searches just regarding sex and marriage were, why don't I want to sleep with my husband? My wife has no desire for sex. What can I do? I have no desire for my husband. I don't want my husband to touch me anymore. Why don't I feel sexually active? What to do when your partner doesn't want to be intimate? And why doesn't sex feel good to me? So I just want to ask you, (laughs) why is this? Why is this such a common struggle amongst people? And I know there are so many reasons, but just to name a few. Well, Lindsay, I'm glad that you started out by even acknowledging that this isn't the case for all marriages and for all women, um, because we often get emails like what you're saying, but we also get a fair amount of emails and calls from women who are saying the opposite. Like, I'm totally into it. My husband isn't. And the stereotype is always that your husband's chasing you around the house. And I feel like there's something wrong with me. So I want to validate those women who that's your experience. And I think there's a growing number of women that are saying that for a lot of reasons, but still probably 60 to 70% of women in marriage have the questions that you're saying. Maybe I used to like sex and I don't anymore and I don't know what's happened or I've never liked it. I thought, you know, the pain would go away one day and it hasn't. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Let's just start with the fact that women are complicated and female sexuality is far more complicated than male sexuality. Male sexuality has its own complications, but physiologically and emotionally, Women have sexual arousal and emotional safety and comfort all tied together. And so something can go wrong physically or mentally or emotionally or even spiritually that makes it so that our bodies can't even respond or we can't get excited about sex. And so we're so much more complicated than the average man. And typically we go into marriage thinking that this is going to be easy. And for a lot of men, it's easy. They know how to be aroused. They know how to enjoy sex. The woman doesn't. And so they just proceed with their sex life kind of around his appetite and around his desires. 
And they never think about the fact that it's going to take time and it's going to take effort for a lot of women to unlock her sexual desires and her sexual response. And I think that's just in the design of how God made us. And women are are to be pursued and it's not just to be pursued to get married, but our husbands need to pursue us continually after that. And that includes in the sexual realm. I This is a very basic term, but it's something that has always resonated with me. I was at a women's conference and she was talking about this topic and basically said, women are like crockpots. It takes yeah. us time to heat up and to get used to kind of what is being asked of us or, or even what we're wanting to do because it is a desire of some, but it still takes that time to warm yourself up emotionally. I know for myself, I really have to... I'm a doer. And so my mind is always going. And Jesse and I, my husband always joke that my idea of like foreplay talk is like, are we ruining the kids? Because as soon as I (laughs) lay down in bed, those are the questions that run through my mind. And so I have to be really intentional to be intentional and to be present in the room with him and to kind of let all of those things go. But sometimes that means talking it out or, you know, praying beforehand so I can just get my mind in that place because it's a really a mental thing for me. Mm -hmm. So can you share a little bit of your story? Is this something that you have struggled with in the past or has that always been a comfort level for you and your husband? No, it's something that I struggled with for many, many years. And the research would show that a woman's sexual prime is in her mid thirties and a man's sexual prime is in his late teens or early Mm twenties. And so some of it is just recognizing that Women take a long time, not just in the moment to have sex, but they take a long time in their lifespan to really feel free sexually, to understand their bodies, to understand the rhythms of arousal. And some of those come much easier for men. And for me, that was definitely true. I got married when I was, I think, 24. And I would say for the first 10 or 15 years of my marriage, sex was just not good. It was physically painful, which led to a lot of conflict and me avoiding sex and me feeling like, well, I just have to do this for my husband. And I think a lot of church teaching can be reinforcing that, that this is for your husband. You have to do it. If you don't do it, then he might stray and then that's your fault. And so I was wrestling through a lot of those messages that frankly weren't helpful And I didn't really know that there was help available. I just thought, well, this is my lot in life and it's just never going to be good. So I got to make the best out of it. And let me also say I'm a clinical psychologist. So I have all the training that I should have had. I was helping other couples in their marriages. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about who has the resources, I had the resources. But as you mentioned, so few people want to talk in detail about this topic that I really didn't even know that there was help available for us. And so just kind of soldiered on for a while. Two things you mentioned that I want to touch on because they're so good. First is the women's sexual prime. I actually received a message from someone who said, I am in my sexual prime. I still, I don't want any of it. And then the second thing, which I think ties into it, is that the belief in what church promotes is sex is for your husband. Like just kind of get it over with type of thing. And as I've I've been married nine years, that was definitely the first probably four years of my marriage. I have a really rough history of promiscuity and sleeping around and shame and 
just what made me feel very dirty before I was saved. And then coming into a marriage, I've talked about this a little bit on my podcast for my listeners, but as I came into my marriage, it really was a process of breaking down a lot of that shame of repenting of my sin and kind of facing the consequences of that and talking through it, but also having to be obedient and knowing, I mean, the enemy can get a foothold if we take time away and God has intended this pleasure for me. So can you speak to that, to the women who maybe are like, gosh, I'm just kind of trudging along and forcing myself to do this, but it's my prime and I'm supposed to be enjoying it. Yeah. Boy, there's a lot to unpack. I know. <laughs> Some of it is really recognizing that there's a difference between sexual activity and sexual intimacy. Mm. And I think we talk about sex so simplistically that we just say it's the act of the bodies coming together. And that when we even read the Bible, like First Corinthians chapter 7, where it talks about sex being this duty that you have to one another, we take that and just say, well, you owe me sex or I owe you sex. And it's this duty. Yeah. And we don't see the broader picture, even that's presented within the Bible, that sex is supposed to be this bodily exchange that remembers the covenant promise we've made to each other. And so sex has this profound relational and spiritual significance to it that I think the church has really missed. We don't talk about it. We just talk about it like you're checking a box. Mm -hmm. And so if you only think about sex in terms of activity, how often should we be doing it? And is it good? And am I meeting your needs? I think we really miss the deeper gift that God wants to give us, which is not just sexual activity, but sexual intimacy. So the word for sex in the Old Testament that most often is used is a word that actually means to deeply know. It's the word yada. So when you read in the Old Testament, your Bible says Adam knew Eve and they gave birth to a son. It's saying Adam intimately, physically knew Eve. And so it's this intimate knowing. And so God has given you the gift of sex with your husband, not just so that you can do the act, but that through working out your sex life, you're forced to know each other more intimately and deeply. Mm -hmm. And I think for every marriage, there are seasons where in order to move forward in sexual intimacy, you might actually even have to stop sexual activity for a while, which is something you never hear. Mm -hmm. And I've had to learn this the hard way and work with couples that are learning this the hard way, but... There are times when you hit a wall, like if you have shame in your past and every time you have sex, it's reinforcing that shame. Or if you have sexual abuse in your past and trauma and you keep just telling yourself, well, I have to do this. Well, in some ways, without realizing it, you're almost reenacting your abuse. You know, like God is putting me in a place where my body's being used. Yes, it's my husband and he loves me, but I still feel used. And so you're not healing or maybe one of you has been involved with pornography and you can't even have sex without thinking about images of other people. Well, that's not intimacy. Your body might be responding, but you're not learning to know each other intimately. And so I think a lot of Christian couples don't realize that just by going through the action and focusing on the action, you're actually not growing in the more important areas of what does it look like to know each other and to love each other through this aspect of our marriage. Mm -hmm. I remember in our premarital counseling, there was a couple and they had said, there have been so many moments when 
sexual intimacy has saved our marriage. And I would say similarly for us, especially in the past few years, we have two littles at home and it can get kind of overwhelming and stressful. And sometimes when we just feel so disconnected from one another, that intimacy, which we have by the grace of God really grown in lots of communication, lots of working through things, but that it's become something that when we're feeling emotionally disconnected can bond us emotionally. And I agree so much with what you're saying that there is the act when sometimes it's like, okay, get it over with, you know? And then there are the moments when it's like, oh, you're my best friend. And I just feel so loved and seen by you. But I think sometimes as you're saying, when we're missing that emotional aspect, when we're just in a funk in our marriage, it can be healing, but it can also be really, really difficult to get to that point. And so when you say you can take breaks, which I think is interesting, I've actually never, aside from like scripture saying you can take a short time to pray, what would you encourage in that time when they are taking a break and refraining in order to help grow? Yeah, I think you have to keep in mind that it's for the purpose of deeper intimacy. And so it's not just Let's do a timeout and not work on our sex life. Actually, in scripture, when it suggests that maybe for a time you abstain, it's first of all mutually. So it's not one person denying the other. Mm -hmm. It's saying we need help. We need to seek God in this. And it says for the purpose of prayer, for seeking the Lord. And so there might be a time where you're like, we just need healing in this area. In our relationship, maybe you're recovering from an infidelity or from other harmful things in your marriage, maybe one of you, again, has some things to deal with. And so when you are taking that break, it doesn't mean you're not intimate. It means you're not having sex. Mm. And so it might mean, let's just learn to touch each other without intercourse. Let's just go back to the beginning of kissing and teaching our bodies to respond to one another's touch And let's read some good Christian books that help us get God's perspective on sex because we've been fed the world's perspective and our view of sex is really twisted. Mm -hmm. So how do we learn what this is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like? You may say, let's get some counseling. If you were in a situation like I was where sex was physically painful, if I knew what I knew today back then, I would have gone to see a, a pelvic floor therapist or a sex therapist because those kinds of issues can be helped. Mm -hmm. If you do have significant shame in your past, if you have trauma in your past, you're gonna hit a wall. And there's a part of you that you can't give to your spouse because it's all tied up, there's strongholds there. And so you need to work through that. And interestingly, when I say that a woman's sexual prime is in her 30s, We also know that trauma from the past, particularly childhood trauma, tends to resurface in the 30s. So there are a lot of women listening who are like, okay, my body's ready to go, but I just don't feel like sex is safe or I feel like it's dirty or, you know, I'm having flashbacks or nightmares from things that happened to me a long time ago that I haven't thought about. And so some of the reason we take a break from sex is to say, God, we want you to remove these barriers. We want you to bring healing so that we can more fully enjoy this gift that you've given us. 
Wow, that's so interesting. I've never heard that before, that the Mm -hmm. trauma resurfaces in the 30s. I think that is part of potentially why so many women have dreams as well of of their history and of their past. I've spoken about that before, that that's something that kind of haunts me is having to work through those dreams and talk about them with my husband and say, I don't want these things, but they're just flooding in my mind. And it's my ex and my past and the stuff that I don't even think about. But so that's, I just turned 31. So yeah, <laughs> like, well, there you go. It's a decade of healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. I, I like that perspective. And you had mentioned barriers. So can you yeah. talk about some of the barriers that do prevent us from enjoying intimacy with our spouse? Yeah, I think there are so many of them. I'll hit on a few of them. Okay. I think first of all, just wrong thinking about sex. And I already mentioned this. And wrong thinking about sex can come either from our culture's view that sex is all about your fulfillment and about self-actualization, like sex was never meant to carry that bucket of water for you. Mm. And if you make sex to be, it has to be amazing every time. I have to orgasm all the time. If I don't, something's wrong with us. Then your expectations for what sex is supposed to be are wrong and you're going to be continually frustrated. On the other side of the spectrum. There are people that have grown up in religious settings and they've gotten these weird messages that sex is a gift from God, but it's somehow bad. And your sexual desire is bad, particularly as a woman, like it's okay for men to want it, but women shouldn't want it too much. And so there's a conflict of, man, I want to be a godly woman. I want, you know, like, but something about this just feels wrong to me. Like, it doesn't feel like God would want us just to go at it and have a great time. And that's really a not right perspective. There are a lot of women who are holding back of their experience of sex because they feel like somehow it's wrong. And so the first thing I would say is really get the right perspective on why God created sex and what its purpose is in marriage and why God created you as a female to experience orgasm and pleasure and why he crafted your body the way he did and confront the lies that you've been believing. When I started the ministry that I run Authentic Intimacy, the first project we worked on was a Bible study called Passion Pursuit. And it was for, it's for women, married women, just on what's getting in the way of sexual pleasure. How can I make this a priority in my marriage? How can I enjoy it? And I was still at the place when we wrote that study where I was working through some of my own issues And I had no idea the lies that I had been believing and just letting God show me those lies and set me free from that and really give me his perspective made a world of difference in my marriage. That's where I think all of us need to start because if you're working with a wrong framework, you don't even know what you're working toward. You're not sure what it's supposed to look like. So that would be one of the biggest barriers. And then I've mentioned a few others, obviously sexual trauma, shame from the past is one, relational conflict. Sex requires safety Mm -hmm. and it requires emotional safety. And so if you and your husband have unresolved issues where you don't feel safe with him or he doesn't feel emotionally safe with you, you're going to hit a wall in terms of how much you can share with each other and how deeply you can share in this area of your marriage. Um, There's practical things like time and energy one of the biggest reasons that women say they have a low sex drive is they're just exhausted. Yeah. And 
Lindsay, you can relate to this with yeah. two little ones. Like everybody yeah. wants a piece of your body. <laughs> yes. And if you wait until nighttime, you've got nothing left. Mm-hmm. And uh, lack of sleep, like testosterone is one of the main hormones in our body for both women and men that promote sexual desire. And if you're sleep deprived, your testosterone levels are going to be low. Mm-hmm. And so the average wife who's with two, a couple little kids, exhausted or even older kids and running around everywhere, you just are not setting yourself up for success. And this is true of men too. When we're too stressed out, we're addicted to our screens, we're not saving the time and energy for sex. And then there's practical things again, like body image issues, mm-hmm. communication. So there's all kinds of things that can derail this in marriage. And that's why it takes so much intentionality and work. Do you desire to be the wife that God created you to be? On Living Easy, you guys know how important it is for me to call you up toward the kingdom and toward a biblical perspective. It's also so important to me that you live your life the way that Jesus intended. And a huge part of that is a healthy, God-honoring marriage. Jesus doesn't want you to just be roommates, living this life side by side without intention. He desires for you to do all things with excellence. And that means being best friends and lovers with your husband. Listen, friends, I've been married for nine years. I totally understand that marriage can be challenging. You're two sinners coming together with different upbringings, different desires, and different personalities. And this can cause conflict, confusion, and loneliness when it isn't worked on by either person. But here's the thing. We as wives are sinners too. We can be frustrating too. We fall short, we fail, and we have room for growth as well. When we sit down and allow ourselves to examine our hearts, we then know the areas in which we can pray and grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. A happy marriage can and should begin with us. Why? For one reason and one reason alone, because we love and follow Jesus. Ladies, the purpose of The Wife Project is not to make you an easier or happier wife for your husband. It is to guide you to be more like Jesus in every area of your life, which then flows into your marriage. The Wife Project will be launching this February. It will be packed full of scripture, research, and practical wisdom that will lead you toward a stronger relationship with Jesus, which in turn will pour into a joyful marriage. You'll receive journaling pages and PDFs, which will help you to apply everything that you've learned. And the beauty of the course is that you can do it all in your own time. I will be teaching on topics like having an unbelieving spouse, how to thrive in your marriage even when your husband doesn't lead you spiritually, sex and intimacy, strengthening your communication, fighting fair, forgiveness, and so much more. So if you want to have a thriving marriage and a strong faith life in 2021, the Wife Project course is the perfect start for you. So if you want to get on the wait list, just scroll down from this episode and click the link in my show notes or go to sparrowsandlily.com backslash community. Or you can go to my Instagram at living easy with Lindsay and just click the link in my bio and it will subscribe you to emails about the wife project. Remember you guys, nothing changes if nothing changes. So let's change together. Love you guys. I remember someone told me once I was babysitting and I hadn't had any kids yet. And they were asking what my love language is. And I said, touch for sure. It's touch. And she laughed and was like, well, that'll change once you have kids. (laughs) And I remember thinking, 
I don't want that to change. You know, I enjoy that. I love intimacy. I love feeling close to someone. But (laughs) then I had kids and I was like, oh, okay. And now I'm kind of coming out of that where I'm like touched out because they are getting a little bit older. But when you're breastfeeding and when you're like you mentioned body image issues, that was really, really hard. And I know so many friends who feel ashamed or just feel exhausted. And I agree fully with the combination of that. And one thing just to encourage our listeners, I remember after I'd finished breastfeeding, obviously it changes your body drastically. And I would look in the mirror and think, oh my gosh, this doesn't even look like me. And so I would get out of the shower and I would fully cover myself so that my husband couldn't see me if he was around. I just wouldn't let him even look at me. I had to make sure the door was closed and I had always been very open with him before and I had spoken with a Christian counselor and she said, you know, Linz, you're in the most loving way. You're stealing from your husband because he's never mentioned discontentment with your body, but you're living in that shame. You're believing the lies that you're disgusting. You're believing the lies that you're just kind of worthless now. And therefore you're now stealing from your husband because he enjoys seeing you and And obviously she was very gracious with it because I was working through a lot, but it resonated with me in realizing, although there are spouses who sometimes will make comments about our bodies, that's not my husband. And he's always been encouraging. And as I kind of allowed myself to just believe I am made in God's image. And although I look different, he still loves me and I still want to offer myself to him so that we can grow closer together. Maybe that's not the right word, but just to be intimate together was so helpful for me and it was very freeing, but it took a lot of conversation. It took a lot of kind of rebuilding from that point. You know, in most cases, that's the truth, Lindsay, is that our husbands love what our bodies look like. They're not as focused on our stretch marks and our imperfections Mm -hmm. as we are. We just get self-conscious and I have a mentor, Linda Dillo, who has written some of the studies with me and I love what she says. She says, It's not so much what your body looks like, but what you do with it that makes you a great lover. And there are women who don't have a perfect body who are very sexy with their husbands because they have that confidence that I want to engage with you. All that I have, I'm giving to you. I want to receive you. And that's a sexy attitude. And then there are women who are gorgeous, have perfect 10 bodies Mm -hmm. that are not great lovers because they're too self-conscious. They're holding back. They're too focused on themselves. And so there's a freedom of really recognizing that truth. And one thing I'll share with you is that some of the chemicals that God has put in our bodies that we experience when we have sex are really powerful. And one of them is the hormone oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And oxytocin, as you've had kids, you know this, oxytocin is really present in a woman's body when she's pregnant, when she's giving birth, when she's breastfeeding. And oxytocin is called the love or the cuddle hormone. It makes you feel bonded it makes you overlook the stinky diapers. You know, it, it does. And the research actually shows that if you change your baby's diaper, it's less offensive to you than if you change any other baby's diaper. Wow. Yeah, because of oxytocin. It's like rose-colored glasses. I used and to say when I would breastfeed, I felt like this rush of euphoria. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And so men don't have as much oxytocin as women do. And the one time they get really big dose of oxytocin is during sex and after sex. And so when you're 
having sex with your husband, he really starts to see you differently. Like he sees you as more beautiful. He feels attached to you. He's bonded to you. And the research has actually shown that men with oxytocin are less likely to feel attracted to other women Mm. than their partners, you know, if they've been having regular sex with that one partner. And so people call it like the monogamy hormone or the faithfulness hormone, but it just really shows God's design that he designed sex to be a bonding experience. And he made it in such a way like dopamine hits the reward center of the brain when you have sex. And so you're supposed to be having these experiences with one another where your husband looks at your body and he just sees this beautiful person that he loves and that he has this history with. And it even changes the objectivity of how he sees you, which is just amazing to me. But it gives you confidence when your husband says, you're beautiful. Mm -hmm. You don't argue with him. You just say, thank you, Lord. We'll go with that. (laughs) Amen. Oh my gosh. I just have so much to ask. (laughs) I feel like my mind running wild. Okay. So firstly, the one thing I'm thinking, and I don't know if you have knowledge on this, but in regards to orgasm, you had mentioned women's orgasm and men Mm -hmm. having this oxytocin release after they have sex. What about women who have never had an orgasm or who just genuinely, not even that it's painful, but they just don't feel pleasure from sex? Well, first of all, that women are still getting a lot of benefits from sex, even if that doesn't happen, even if orgasm doesn't happen, you're still getting oxytocin, you're still getting endorphins, all kinds of good things that help you feel close to your husband, but also reduce stress even slow the aging process, they say. I mean, all kinds Ooh, of great things. That. <laughs> yeah, there's even some research that suggests that your husband's semen is an antidepressant when it's wow. absorbed in the vagina. So there's all kinds of benefits of sex, but obviously it's very frustrating for a woman and for her husband when she's not experiencing orgasm. And that can be a real journey for women. I think about 50% of women have trouble experiencing orgasm on a regular basis. And so a few things that I would encourage a woman who's in that situation to consider is let's change the wording from achieving orgasm to experiencing orgasm. Mm -hmm. Because I think when we think of it as achieving, your husband thinks of it as achieving. Like somehow I'm failing If this isn't happening, the woman's feeling like I'm feeling if this isn't happening. And then sex takes on this pressure of, is it going to happen? And no, I'm disappointed again. And then you don't even like any of it because it represents a big fat failure for Mm -hmm. you. Instead of thinking of it in terms of this is something I want to experience, not that it's an achievement, but my body was designed to do this and something's in the way. And the research would show that the vast majority of women who are not having orgasm are physically capable of it. A very, very small percentage of women that might have some physical thing going on with her anatomy. It can be issues of low hormones. She can get that checked out, you know, like even something like a low thyroid, low testosterone, you know, just checking the general hormones, estrogen, progesterone, all that. So going to an OBGYN and just making sure that hormone levels are good, your anatomy is all well and good there. Mm -hmm. But for most women, it's really more a matter of the mind. And orgasm is this weird combination of focus and letting go of control. Mm 
And so when it becomes something that you're going after and there's anxiety there, you're not going to let go of control. Mm -hmm. If this has been a long journey for a woman and she hasn't experienced orgasm, one thing she can do is work with a good sex therapist. There are Christian sex therapists who aren't going to use things that are compromising, but can really help you understand your body's response, help your husband understand your body's response, explore that. And I know women who have made great breakthroughs, just understanding, okay, this is what was getting in the way. This is the roadblock for me, whether it's, again, trauma from the past, a fear of letting go of control, just her husband learning how to touch her the right way, even using things like a vibrator together, manual stimulation. For a lot of women, particularly in the beginning, that's something that they need in order to no, this is the pathway my body needs to go down. This is where my mind needs to be. And so, so some of those things can really be helpful. I love that you brought up the safety aspect as well in regards that they need to feel safe because I've probably never shared this before. I would never have had an opportunity, but that in spite of my promiscuity, I had never had an orgasm until I got married because my husband and I remained pure until we got married because I was saved before. But that was the thought that I had on our honeymoon was this is the first time I've ever actually felt safe with someone. But in the moments when there's a lot going on and you had mentioned control and I just cling to so much in my life of what is happening outside that if I'm not there mentally and I'm trying to control everything around me and it doesn't go the way I want it to the evening, you know, if it's not as romantic as I wanted it to be, it just all falls to pieces. And it's so hard to reach that point because you just don't feel that sense of safety or that sense of romance or the sense of love, or you're just in your head. So I really love that you bring that up and, and that you bring up other opportunities. And you had mentioned some lies that you had believed. How would you encourage women to discern what those lies are in their own lives and process through those things? Well, you really don't know what lies are until you know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. So Good. one of the lies that I've already mentioned that really I thought was true was God must have created this for my husband. And the more I studied the the Bible, the more I saw, like in the book of Song of Solomon, the wife is really involved in sex. Mm-hmm. She's enjoying it. She's initiating it. She's pursuing her husband. This is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. She's fantasizing about his naked body like in detail. Yeah. <laughs> it's all very poetic. So you have to kind of have the key to translate it. But when I she read knows that, that pleasure is for her too, that yes. God created pleasure for her too. Yes. Yes. And so when I read that, it was like a big paradigm shift for me. Mm-hmm. Or even we mentioned first Corinthians chapter seven, where it talks about the duty of sex. And before it ever talks about a wife's obligation to her husband and talks about a husband's obligation to his wife. In the Old Testament culture, newlywed husbands were to abstain from going to war or starting new businesses so that they could focus on learning how to please their wives. Wow. And there was a lot of nuance (laughs) there of learning how to sexually please her. And so when I started to really see that God's design is actually for a husband to take on the responsibility of unlocking his wife sexually and that this was a good thing, that he's most glorified when we enjoy each other to the fullest, I was like, wow, like, why didn't somebody tell me this when I first got married? Because I had just kind of taken on this duty attitude that was making me resentful, 
that was really getting in the way of true intimacy. And so you have to know the truth before you recognize the lie. Like another lie a lot of women believe is I don't fully deserve like to have a great sex life because of the mistakes I've made in the past or because our marriage is so broken. Like we really don't have God's full favor here. And that's also a lie. You know, if you are in Christ, if you have given your heart to him, forgiveness is complete. And God sees us through the righteousness of Jesus. And so any lingering shame or feeling like I have to punish myself subconsciously is we're in bondage to a lie. And so that Bible study I mentioned that we did passion pursuit, really that's the goal is to help you see the truth of what God designed this gift to be in your marriage, to recognize that sex always has been and continues to be a huge spiritual battlefield and learning how do I recognize where the enemy is robbing from us and spoiling this gift that God has given and then how do I walk in that truth? I love the conversation with God and evaluating the heart of what is keeping you from enjoying his gift because he is the only one, you know, who heals our hearts. He's the only one who sanctifies and prunes and can process through that. Would you speak as well to not only communicating with God in prayer and reading his word and processing through those struggles, but also communicating with their husbands? I have, I'll give just a couple examples a woman who says her husband wants to have sex every three hours. And Mm -hmm. when he does have sex, it is so long lasting that it's hard. Or another woman who just says that her husband doesn't know what to do with her. So I think it's a lack is what it seems, a lack of conversation about what is realistic for them and feasible and also being really candid with what feels good and what doesn't instead of faking or pretending or just getting it over with. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it ironic that we can share our bodies with our husband? We can be completely naked, but we can't talk about it. It's just wild that we can talk about sex in all kinds of formats in the culture, but where we should be talking about it, we're tongue-tied. And one of the reasons why that is, first of all, we don't know how to talk about it. We don't have the language to say, honey, our sex life is like, it doesn't satisfy me without feeling like that's a rejection. And that's the second reason it's so hard to talk about it. It's an emotional landmine. And so for both men and women, sex taps into the most vulnerable parts of who we are. It taps into our fears of failure, of rejection, of not being enough. And so when we start navigating these conversations of how do we even talk about how often we should have sex or what you like or what you don't like, the fear is, oh, great, like this is going to end up in a huge fight and we're going to hurt each other and we're not going to know how to fix it. And so couples just avoid talking about it. And so a couple ways that you can learn to talk about it. First of all, listen to podcasts like this together. We have a podcast in our ministry called Job with Julie, where we talk about sex every week, or we talk about some aspect of intimacy. And we have a lot of husbands and wives that will listen to some of those episodes together because we're going first with giving you the words to use. I did this when I was young in my marriage. My husband and I would read a book on sex out loud to each other so that the author could say the things that were hard for us to say. And I could stop and say, can you go back and reread that paragraph? Because, you know, that's how I felt before. And so that's one way you can do it. 
if you keep hitting a wall and it's so sensitive, it might be time to get counseling with somebody who can help you navigate those issues. Bathe it in prayer because uh, together, I mean, pray about your sex life. Lord, help us to grow in this area, help us to be able to communicate without hurting each other, help show us how to honor you. And so it really is a journey of learning together. It's not just talking about it on your own, but together pursuing truth and together being challenged of, let's get good at this. Mm-hmm. You know, not, let's not just get good at new positions and techniques, but let's get good at this being a safe haven in our marriage, something we look forward to. And recognizing that every marriage is on that journey. Every marriage has areas of sexuality where you need to grow, you need to heal. That's all part of it. And kind of having that normalized perspective. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for your wisdom. I could keep you on here for literally hours. <laughs> I'm sure I need to do a Q&A style and just have you on one day on Instagram Live or something. But yeah. I know that this will really bless women, just even having the conversation and normalizing it. And so many things that you've talked about, I feel like I've done a lot of research on sex in my marriage and you've just brought so much to light for me. I'm so thankful that you're willing to have the conversation that you allow God to use you in this way and to speak into marriages, because I know that it will greatly, greatly bless many. So thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks. It's a joy because I know a lot of people are harboring secrets and shame and there's just so much healing when we can get it all in the light and just say, all right, we're all a mess Mm -hmm. and (laughs) God is able to bring healing in every area of our lives. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Julie. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and all the platforms? Yeah, the best place to go is just to look for Authentic Intimacy. That's the name of the ministry. And from there, you can find books and online studies you can join, the podcast Java with Julie, events that we have virtual and in person. So lots of places to explore and grow if you just go to Authentic Intimacy. Well, thank you all so much for listening. As usual, if you enjoyed this episode, please tag us. Tag Julie at Authentic Intimacy and Lindsay at Living Easy with Lindsay. Let us know what you thought about the episode. If you haven't already left a rating and review, please take a quick second to do so. It helps me to get wonderful guests like Julie on the show. And we will talk to you guys next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.